0: Welcome, everyone, back to The broadcast. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network, and I am joined on the eve of UCLA's biggest game since, hell, I don't know, 1998, uh, by Tracy Pearson. Tracy, how are you? Hey, Dave. Uh Pretty big game tomorrow.
1: Pretty big game. I'm speaking I, it, about know, the
0: women's soccer team. Are they, I, I'm I thinking since are they 1998.
1: Tomorrow? Yeah, Yeah. I uh, think you're right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's, uh, this is probably the biggest, um, game overall. Uh, is it too much to say it's the biggest game since Miami? Like, is no. that too much to say?
1: No. Um, I mean, top 10 versus top 10 hasn't happened very often in recent UCLA history, even though it should be happening. Um, and it just, there's, yeah, any other game in between this and the Miami game, there, I don't, I don't necessarily think there was that much writing on it compared to this. There's a lot writing on this game.
0: Yes. Uh, to put it mildly.
1: It's um, not just like perception of the program like we used to talk, like turning the corner perception. This is literally a lot writing on this on this game.
0: Well, let's just take like the implications of, say, UCLA does win this game. So we're talking about number nine UCLA going on the road uh, against number 10 Oregon uh, in Austin. Um if they win this, um, it's not quite like a mortal lock, but it's like 95% likely they're making the Pac-12 title game.
1: Pretty uh, close. I mean, since they're they're not doing it north and south and just by it, uh, they would have to collapse. It they'd would have, have to, to be collapse. like
0: an absolutely insane collapse. Like yeah. even l- losing to USC would not do it. Um, yeah. It would have to be a really crazy collapse.
1: They ha- they need two probably two more losses. Right? In the patch,
0: yeah. I mean, yeah, probably it would need to be USC and another. Um, which, if you look at ASU, Stanford, and Arizona, um, it it, it is hard to find a loss given what (laughs) you forgot. Cal, Cal. Cal. I I did forget Cal, but Cal, uh, Cal is very forgettable. They they managed to lose to the worst college football team in history. My
1: heart went out to them. Yeah. I know there's a lot of non-Cal sympathizers out there, but I'm a Cal sympathizer. My parents went there. I had Cal. I wore Cal stuff when I was growing up. I feel sorry for those guys. My, my niece
0: goes there. I have no sympathy.
1: for the Entire program. Well, um, I thought you were going to say my niece goes there. I have.
0: No, she she fires. We went the, cannon. the other way. She's on the rally squad or whatever. Mm. She fires the cannon after they score points. It Does happens, she? It happens only rarely. Wow, she
1: can put that on her resume.
0: Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, so. Anyway, uh, this uh, a win here um, pretty much makes them a shoe-in for the Pac-12 title game. Um, it puts UCLA more than likely, um, uh, cements them in the top 10, might, depending on results, end up in the top six or so after this game, which would be their highest ranking in I don't know how long. Um, just so much... Uh, the, the program would be like certifiably um, very good this year, like certifiably. Yeah, yeah. that's one of the teams that's talked about for the CFP. Um, and it wouldn't be like the preseason hot talk that we heard so often for the Jim Mora years. It would be, well, wow, they've they've played most of the meat of their schedule and they've emerged seven or no and still in contention. Uh, it would be a a different deal than we've experienced really again since 98
1: and they would be favored to be 10 and 0 by the time they faced i mean i know everyone gets mad looking ahead but again we're not playing the games and we're not the coaches we're just people reporting on it so we can talk about years in advance and a and a month in advance they would be favored to be 10 and 0 going into the USC game and if you just imagine that 10 and 0 you'd have to anticipate a few more losses among the top 10 where would they be dave like 5th Fourth, yeah, fifth, sixth, something yeah, like that?
0: It it depends on like obviously a variety of things that could happen, but they they could be top four. I mean, yeah. they could be in the in the thick of it at that point. Um, you know, TCU this weekend, they've got to play Kansas State. They might lose that one. Um Ole Miss has to play at LSU, that game's a pick'em. Um so there's there's some stuff that's that can happen ahead of them very like just in the next week that could um vault them into the top six. What uh, might
1: hold them back is just uh, the kind of weakish schedule, but still 10-0 and zero going into that game, you'd have to think top six.
0: Yeah. Well, and a weak schedule isn't holding back Michigan. And I, I actually I think the, the weak schedule only hurts you if you start accumulating losses. Um, but at this point, it's hard to argue with undefeated, especially with the two wins they've stacked up. And especially with Utah rebounding to at least play a 50-50 game with USC. They pulled out the win, but... Uh, to rebound to do that um was i think a big bonus for UCLA that Utah still is Utah's not a pushover that was a real win yeah um but anyway this game coming up um the the win implications are huge and then for me the way i'm thinking about it is the downside of a loss is actually not so bad
1: not that bad kind of a so, a bit of a soft landing
0: yeah, this is – you know, we so often talk about um, – <laughs> maybe this is just our bent, but we're so often talking about lose-lose scenarios um, or – That's so it, sad. Yeah, this is a big win or or it could be a catastrophic thing. This is a win-win. Um, I think the only scenario where it's like, uh, you know, really devastating is if they get just completely smoked off the field. But even then, you'd say, oh, they're 6-1. and one. Um, They're not quite the class of the conference, but – have you seen any indication that um, USC is significantly better than UCLA this year? Because I haven't. So and Any probably...
1: indication they wouldn't be 9-1 going into the USC game?
0: And that's the thing, is that UCLA, um, I think at this point, has proven enough, has shown enough, that win or loss this weekend, you still know this is a, probably going to be a quality team that's going to contend for the Pac-12 title game. Yes. Um, and it'll come down at that point to whether or not they beat USC, But UCLA right now is in still the best position going into tomorrow of any of the Pac-12 teams to make that title game because even a loss doesn't devastate them.
1: Which makes this, I mean, all we're looking for, seriously, our expectations every year is that we just really enjoy the season. Whatever that means. Throw up the parameters and what that means. Usually it means at least competing for a Pac-12 championship. So if you could lose a game... But still be in that com- in that competition for the Pac-12 championship throughout the season. What else? What else could you want for when yeah. you also have the chance of being ten and zero, and probably facing a nine and one USC team.
0: Yeah, and that's the thing is that um, the, the way UCLA has played to this point has ensured that that rivalry game on November nineteenth, <clears throat> my birthday uh that, that thing's gonna and have jim s-
1: morris birthday and
0: jim morris birthday and the day he was fired sadly wow that's uh, a day that's yeah that's a big one. day tough one big one uh that game is going to have implications uh unless unless both teams somehow like oddly collapsed like usc loses to arizona next week and you know ucla finds a way to lose to stanford at home uh both of these teams are going to go into that game with one loss each probably like, that's probably the most probable outcome at this point. Yeah. Is that they're each one-loss teams. They're each, at minimum, bordering on the top 10. Um, that, that'll that be the biggest UCLA-USC game in quite a long time. And it'll more than likely be for a berth in the Pac-12 title game.
1: Okay, but and everyone's listening and saying, why are you guys talking about the USC game? Let's talk about the Oregon game. And you've done an amazing analysis. Everyone, go read that game uh, preview. Incredible. One thing I want to talk about is where I think there are obvious. You know, uh, the teams are pretty well matched. Um, there are some little nooks and crannies of advantages and disadvantages. And the one that kind of I don't even know if this is a nook or a cranny or bigger. Uh, the one that kind of jumps out at me is the matchup between Chip Kelly as offensive coordinator and our friend Josh Luebke <laughs> as the. Tosh. T- uh, sorry. Tosh. Josh. Tosh. I, b- I blocked him out of my mind for yeah, yeah. so many years, and he keeps, he's like Steve Lavin. He mm-hmm. keeps coming back, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, Tosh Dupuy, who is the defensive coordinator at Oregon. That matchup, that that chess match of wits.
0: There is no way he's actually coordinating that defense. There's no way. It, it's but got have the, you
1: watched Oregon? Lanning is not setting the defense. He's too busy doing other stuff. He's, uh, yeah. he's not calling the defense. There's no way.
0: Regardless, uh, their defense is bad. Um, and That's
1: why we think it's Tosh
0: Yeah, it's probably Tosh Lippoy. Um But the thing is, Lanning is like, he, he was the real D.C. for like a year at Georgia. And even then, he's working for Kirby Smart. Um, I, I don't know. Yeah, but that... The idea of Chip Kelly, you know, whose differentiator at UCLA has pretty obviously been his game planning um, and his ability to kind of, okay, what's your weakness? And we're just going to exploit that over and over and over again until you stop it. Um, That against this defense that does not look well coached um, and does look, it still looks talented. I will say that their defensive line is talented even at linebacker, where they are not playing well, uh, Noah Sewell has not had a good year. Um, Justin Flo is still <laughs> getting back into the flow. Um, oh, yeah, you like that? Um, yeah, no,
1: but yeah, but I like, liked it.
0: They're they're you know they're not diagnosing things well. They're not they're over pursuing a lot. You can still see the talent, but they're just really not coached well. And that is a great matchup for a UCLA offense under Chip Kelly. Um, anytime you're facing off with a defense that just isn't coached well, that isn't schemed well, that doesn't game plan well, um, you know, Chip Kelly's going to be in, uh, in, in hog heaven.
1: And uh, That's the way that these two programs are, in my opinion, are really different. Lanning went for recruiters when he hired his assistant uh, staff. Um, um, Chip Kelly didn't, really. You he, he would say he went more for the coaches, Uh, the coaching angle and the coaches. Uh, I mean, we're very familiar with some guys on that staff, old friends of ours, um, who were good recruiters. Um, Tosh Lupoi was considered at one point. Wasn't he winning awards as the best recruiting assistant coach in the country? I think. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, so it will be, uh, as you said, they have an advantage over talent. Um, they haven't had enough time really to recruit the talent that's on the team. Uh, that was mostly Mario Cristobal, but I mean they did get a lot of transfers. Um, but it is kind of a clash of two different philosophies. It's Chip Kelly, where coaching comes first, you'd say, over recruiting, and then Oregon, where recruiting comes first. Would you say that's kind of accurate?
0: Yeah, I would. Um, I think if you, if you know, to nutshell it, uh, Oregon has been built like. Um, I don't know how you might've foreseen UCLA being built under Jim Mora if he hadn't quite imploded so much. Like, and I'm, I'm not just talking about landing. I'm talking about the continuation from Taggart to Cristobal to now where it has been very focused on talent acquisition, recruiting like an SEC program, recruiting nationally. Um, and that's been the focus. I don't think they had a decided, um, schematic advantage at any point under the Cristobal regime. Um, That offense was often brutal to watch. Um, And you just need to look at what Justin Herbert does in the NFL to realize that he was kind of squandered at Oregon. Um, So, you know, I I think that defense, I've been kind of a little bit surprised that Lanning hasn't put more of his imprint on it. Um, They're running essentially the same 4-2-5 junk that everyone in the Pac-12 runs. um, And they're not very good at it. Um, Their linebacker play has been really weak. Um, So... I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think you can just be uh, pure. Like They're doing essentially what Jed Fish did at Arizona. Jed Fish has to do that. He has to hire Johnny Nance as defensive coordinator because he has to acquire talent because the talent is so down there. I think this was the opportunity for Oregon to hire some really good coaches and because they already the, have the
1: Oregon's going to recruit well anyway. They well, really at this, are.
0: At this point, they've got a little bit of a machine up there, but yeah. e- even if you throw that away, they had the talent already to be um, – I think, better defensively this year and then potentially actually contend. I don't think... I think this is a rung below the contenders and not just because they got blown out by Georgia. Um, They just don't... They don't have the defense this year um, to do it. And given where their talent level is, I mean, that's a top 10 talented team. Um, They should be better defensively than they are.
1: So that's my... And I don't know it nearly as as in-depth as you. That's my really interesting element of this game that I'm going to be watching for. What would you say are a couple more for you?
0: Um, I want to see how well they do containing Bo Nix. And I don't mean like, oh, stopping him from getting his numbers. I mean literally containing him to the pocket, um, forcing him to be a pocket passer and not allowing him to leak out. Um, I, I... they're not going to be able to rush him the way they have some other quarterbacks this year. Um, They just, they get the ball out so quick. They throw a ton of screens. Um, And so it's going to be really, really hard to, you know, get the pressure that's going to disrupt him. They have to force him to be a pocket passer and hope that that makes him a little bit more uncomfortable and then probably throw some weird coverages at him and hope it confuses him. He's just a senior, so he's a little bit better than he's ever been. Um, and that offense is really, really well designed for what he does well. Um, and I think the combination of that's going to make it very tough, but big, big key in this game is limit his legs from destroying you. Um, you know, keep him to being a passer, you know, they might dink and dunk down the field, um, but you got to tackle well, but a big part of it is make him one dimensional.
1: And UCLA's defense has been a little susceptible to that uh, against uh, Cam rising. He got loose a few times. Yeah. So um, that would, that is definitely something, something to watch. Um, I'm still, I'm still intrigued just by the national media attention for UCLA. Just, just kind of intrigued. I mean, it's a bandwagon and people are jumping on it and uh, the most recent is Urban Meyer. Did you watch that video? No. Oh, yeah. He said he took two hours and he watched UCLA and he sold. Just calling calling the win over Oregon, uh, saying it's one of his favorite teams pretty much uh, I think, of the I think season. So, a lot of people are
0: talking about, quote, UCLA's physicality,
1: which... Yes, he did also. You so here's it. my
0: thing. I... I, I I can see it a little bit. I would say they were actually a little bit more physical last year. Um, I think people are still just kind of underestimating the extent to which this is Dorian Thompson Robinson, um, and the extent to which the reason you're impressed by UCLA right now is because he is playing at such a freakishly high level that it's it's it truly is lifting all boats. Like it's I keep saying that, but it's it's he's making the receivers look a lot better. He's making the offensive line look a lot better. He's making the running game look a lot better because of what he does, um, because of the way he's throwing the ball on time, because of the way he's making decisions quickly, because of the way he's processing. Um, like this offense, from a surrounding talent perspective, I, I wouldn't say it's. Uh, I wouldn't say it's better than last year. Say but the, it, Dave. I'd say it. Last year was better. I'd say it was. I'd say the surrounding talent was worse. Was is worse this year? Yes, but. He's so much better that the offense is and it's not even close, is just fundamentally better than last year. And yes. the last year offense was a top ten offense. This might be one that contends by the end of the year when you, you know, iron out all the strength to schedule stuff as one of the you know top two or three in the country. Um and then defensively, I think what you're seeing, and this is again, I think it's just a it's a very simple thing, but um when UCLA can get And they're not even sacking the quarterback at an incredible rate. But when they can get a rush with four instead of six, that's that's the only fundamental difference between this defense and last year's defense.
1: That's it. Is they're
0: able to put more numbers back. And with more numbers back, they're tackling better. They're gang tackling more. They're getting after ball carriers better. But it's because they can get pressure with four instead of six. And it's not like they're, again, sacking quarterbacks just left and right. They're just getting pressure. Like they're making the quarterback uncomfortable with four. Um, And so it's a combination of really two kind of simple differences. And it's a credit to, you know, I think it is a major credit to Chip Kelly that he's stuck with Dorian Thompson Robinson for five years. I mean, there were times in those first couple of years where it looked like, wow, who knows? Um, Dorian's grown every single year. And this year he is peaking at such a high level. And then what they did in the transfer portal at the edge position is reaping huge dividends defensively. Um, You know, getting Latu, getting the Murphy twins. um, That those were huge acquisitions um, that have made it so that that entire back seven can play a little bit freer and uh, tackle well back there, and they can play a lot more zone. Um, But the end result, I I, I think, you know, people are talking up UCLA, and they should, but I think they're focusing on some weird stuff. It's 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 like they didn't see UCLA last year or whatever. But that's it exactly. It's Dorian Thompson Robinson on offense is the fundamental difference he is, he is playing crazy. And also I would say Chip Kelly streamlined things. Uh, the offense is a lot more just pure uh, 11 personnel spread. Like they're not mixing and matching nearly as much as they've done in years past, which is, I think it fits him a lot better, um, which we've said for a while. And then defensively, it's that pass rush. Those two things.
1: Yeah, That's it. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. Um, but what's so interesting about it is, the national media, let's take like Urban Meyer, he watches UCLA for two hours. That's what he said. He watched clips. And I think like Joel Klatt has watched some too. And they're coming at it. I mean, did anyone did those guys even watch any tape of UCLA last year at all or for the last several years? Probably not. This is probably the first tape they have watched of UCLA in years. So they're coming in with fresh eyes. There's no there's no uh, BBS in, in their brains. So They're looking at it fresh and saying, like you said, well, uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson is so good. He's lifting them all up. Look at that offensive line. They're doing really – they're playing so well. Uh, They're getting so much pressure on the quarterback, which is helping. They don't understand where that came from and what we all were used to seeing. And while we're all just still waiting for it not to happen suddenly, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm a little paranoid about coming off that Utah game where in the second half, I thought Utah contained UCLA's pressure uh, a bit better. They made some adjustments. Uh, But I find it really fun to listen to. Very interesting that people are coming away without any prior history of having watched UCLA even last year and their impression of both. And a lot of them are saying not only offensively, of course, but they're so impressed with UCLA's defense which maybe I've just got a, brain, a bbs brain fog I'm I'm not that much I no. still see vulnerabilities where these people who don't have 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 had no bbs virus <laughs> in their bloodstream are don't see it like I think you and I do
0: yeah, well, and I think it's hard to be super impressed by um, what is obviously a bend-but-don't-break defense that um, still allows quite a bit of scoring. Uh, because I think that's the—it's the missing piece I've cited a bunch this week, but their red zone defense is really bad. Um, they've, they've allowed touchdowns, I think, on 12 of 17 red zone possessions. Uh, that's really bad. Now, the fact that teams have only had 17 red zone possessions is pretty good. Um, that means that they are stopping teams um, because they're forcing long drives, and eventually you force a mediocre offense into a long drive, they're going to make a mistake. Either a fumble, or they'll miss a pass, or whatever. You know, these things happen. It's the idea behind a bend-but-don't-break defense. Eventually, if you force them to do enough plays, they're going to make a mistake, or you're going to tackle them well enough that eventually you're going to force a fumble. Um where they need to get better is okay well once the field is compressed you're getting run over a little bit um you know the defensive line is not you know super stout in the middle um the cornerback play is pretty weak on the edge and if it you know allows eight yards at midfield that's a win if it allows eight yards at the 10 yard line that's a loss um and it's just uh, there's there's some there's some ways they need to do things a little bit differently in compressed situations that is going to help the statistical profile. But when you're watching this defense, I don't think you walk away from it saying, oh, yeah, that's a really great defense. I think it's, you know, it's qualitatively, it's way better than last year. And it's way better than the year before. And it's way better than the year before that. Um, Because, again, that pass rush. Uh, Because, and even in that second half of the Utah game, um, even when they're not getting full-on pressure on the quarterback they're still being felt in a way that was just not happening with like Mitchell Agude and I don't know five guys so I can't remember um it's 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 happening where you know Latu is creating you know something to think about even for uh the quarterback um the Murphy twins are drawing some holding flags um these things are happening at a higher rate than they were previously which also helps to disrupt an offense um so I guess my point is, no, I, I don't walk away from this defense and say, oh, man, UCLA's got a lot of dudes. I can't believe how physical that defense is. I walk away from it saying, you know, they they, they figured out some of their issues in the offseason. They acquired some guys to help correct those issues, and now they're able to run kind of the defense that I think they've wanted to run for a while, which is an effective tackling bend but don't break that can rush the passer with four.
1: And give Chip Kelly a lot of credit Offseason, I I think he said it at at one point that they needed to improve their pass rush, that that was going to be the critical element to improving their defense. And you, that's just been your drum. Mm -hmm. I mean, you've been pounding that puppy for a long time and you nailed it also. And it has the defense really take away the pass rush. The defense is not any better than it was last year. The big significant difference is that it's getting pressure on the quarterback.
0: Well, I do want to um, throw out one thing that is better. Okay, Mo Osling is absolutely an upgrade over Quentin Lake.
1: Okay, and yeah, and
0: this version of Stephen Blaylock blows last year's version out of the water.
1: Right. Okay. All in all, you're right, but I could I could cherry pick some other positions that were better totally. last year. Totally. Yeah. 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 No, Cornerback. Um, <laughs> but I think this just reinforces the importance of the quarterback position. We we tend to lose track of that. Um, you know, and I threw up that story about transfer priorities and I think some people responded saying "Uh, you know I don't know if we should go after you know we if UCLA should go after um, a transfer quarterback oh guys um, this season season, should have
0: convinced you that they absolutely need to not just
1: Dorian Thompson Robinson has proven that but I mean Bo Nix what's what's Oregon like without Bo Nix Michael Penix these teams seriously are being lifted up by their quarterback play, by their experienced, talented, but experienced quarterback play. So given UCLA's opportunity in the transfer portal, having potentially a Heisman Trophy candidate at its quarterback position, you go out and find a quarterback. Uh, you, you, it's, it would be a dereliction of duty because there are certain times you just have to take advantage of the situation. And this, this is it here. Um, so yeah, that's, that's just so big. It just, we all know it. I mean, if we were trying to explain football to a bunch of aliens, we would say quarterback's so important, but we tend to forget and get off track. Dang. It's so, it's so important. That's why we've always been so critical of Chip Kelly's quarterback recruiting since he's been there for one thing. Um, so, yeah, but, man, uh, it is amazing if you listen. If you guys haven't, go out and listen to some media. I might put up another story that sends you in the right direction to listen to a few more um, accolades of uh, about UCLA. But it's very fun. Um, so, yeah, um, if uh, – one other thing when we're talking about recruiting – uh, UCLA offered a couple of guys this week, a couple of three-star big guys. Um, both, well, one is a two-way. They're both kind of two-way players, but one is a two-way player. Uh, the other is has really more or less, uh, probably more uh, a defensive lineman. So we're talking about here we go, Tavake Tui Colovado. It's pretty good. And I know you got that. And then Julian Lee, (laughs) Julian Lee's a little bit easier. Yeah. Julian Lee's a lot easier. And I watched, I've watched as much tape as is available on these two. Um, they're okay. They're, I would say uh, they have some upside, um, both kind of youngish looking big body, six, five to six, six, uh, Tavake's 300 pounds. nothing against these two guys. I I UCLA has I'm telling you we're hearing a little bit of buzz recruits and their families out there are talking a bit about UCLA and dopey me I'm going to I'm going to just absolutely say I, I'm unless things change and things very much could change but at this point I don't think UCLA is taking advantage of its newfound recruiting cachet that it has. Instead of like what I really, really dopily thought UCLA would do is use winning to maybe stretch to get more elite recruits. All it's doing is kind of using it to get the three-star guys but far more easily. Um, I'm hoping that there's some stretching for four- and five-star guys. If they, like, if they do what we're talking about, win the Pac-12 championship, I'm just hoping they're still not thinking they're finding diamonds in the rough with three-star guys. I mean, if one thing that has proven out for Chip Kelly's recruiting is the whole thing about three-star guys, let's go find the diamonds in the rough and develop them, that pretty much hasn't been a really excessively winning uh, approach to recruiting. Hasn't been a complete failure even. You'd probably argue with me on that. Um, but hasn't been a successful approach. You need some guys. Uh, while you might have some superior coaching, you need some guys. This is the opportunity to do it, and they'll probably try to take full advantage of it in the uh, the transfer portal, but it would be great to start just, just like, can we get one four-star elite offensive lineman from the high school class? I, I don't have high expectations. Just... Let's say two four-star offensive line high school guys. That's what I want out of this whole run. A Pac-12 championship, two four-star offensive linemen from high school.
0: Yeah, and I think uh, the odds of that at this point in this cycle seem very... um,
1: Unless you're flipping someone.
0: Yeah, they seem pretty slim unless you're flipping somebody. Um, I think, you know, attacking the transfer portal... um, in this class is going to have to be the case no matter what, if they want to uh, in any way sustain this level of success, or I shouldn't say sustain this level of success, not have too much backsliding next year. Because again, without Dorian Thompson Robinson playing this way, you they wouldn't be six and zero right now. Um, so depending on what you can get at quarterback, but looking at next year, um, it's going to have to be built to some significant extent through the transfer portal. But, if if the goal at any point is to build something that's sustainable, that cyclically you're not going to have you know major downturns year to year, um, you got to start reloading the high school ranks a little bit, um, just because you need development within the program, um, and you need to make sure that um, if you don't hit one hundred percent on your transfers, that you have something in the program to you know make up the lack um, and. The last couple of high school classes, they're just small, very small.
1: Um, And and there's a little bit of a lag between success and then seeing it translated into recruiting. Uh, I I mean, usually you you see an immediate, you get kind of an immediate bump. Um, You see some improvement in that year when you were successful in that recruiting cycle. But you especially see it the next recruiting cycle. So I'm leaving it open. I'm not just going to say this cycle. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. Explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo. Thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future. New documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply.
0: I can't keep talking about recruiting right now.
1: Bring I, I want down. to, though. No, it's I bring want me to. down. I'm just going to say one more thing. If they get two four star offensive linemen out of the high school 2024 class, that will satisfy it. Okay. Go ahead. Sorry, Dave. Sorry, sorry to regress. You know, uh, our guys like to talk about recruiting.
0: Not today. I, I guarantee all the time. You know, nobody I, nobody wants the, to hear. Nobody wants to hear right now. Uh UCLA's only recruiting three stars. No. No, no,
1: no. Hey, no. we gotta keep our feet on the ground while we keep reaching for the term.
0: Yeah, I I get it, Casey. Um <laughs> all right. Well, Oregon is tomorrow, and that's the most important thing. Eye on the prize, Tracy um
1: so what you're saying is we're absolutely not talking about basketball on this podcast
0: i mean we probably should right? okay a little bit okay no. Do you that's want not is that
1: eyes that's eyes partially that's, that's, off the
0: prize i don't really? think eyes are ever off the prize when you're talking about UCLA basketball no. baby okay. except when steve alford is the coach then um that was a really dark time for this show like 2016 <laughs> no for like the 20- site 20-
1: it yeah, had 27. There's a cloud over the site. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, one thing, one thing though. Um if you are planning on uh maybe thinking about if UCLA uh, beats Oregon and you want to go to the Pac-12 Championship game, that's this uh December 2nd at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas, you should think about making reservations because the prices for hotel rooms are already astronomical. There are a few little deals you can find. I'm just pointing this out to y'all because you're gonna if you decide you're gonna go, it's gonna get probably I would say worse if UCLA beats Oregon. So there's that little thing. And I've heard USC tickets are not cheap right now.
0: Yeah, that one's gonna be an interesting one um, you know whether 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 there is significant tarp removal, whether there's no tarp removal uh, gonna be an interesting one um but yeah both of these both of these games they're they're uh you know it's like it's like uh you know the la teams are good or something and so it's like driving distance for a lot of people to go to vegas interesting
1: interesting interesting a lot of potentially really fun road trips yeah a uh, lot to vegas in fact
0: <laughs> oh yeah so and then uh the other thing i would say about this game uh just one last thing to leave people with um Field position has been a huge advantage for UCLA this year and not really the case for Oregon. Their return game's been pretty weak. Um, they don't they don't hit touchbacks at the rate that UCLA does, and their their special teams coverage has been leaky this year. It hasn't yet resulted in a touchdown for another team, but leaky enough that the combination, what we've seen from uh, Kazmir Allen um, and their coverage being pretty leaky. Uh I wouldn't be surprised if he took a couple back for pretty long ones. I'm not say a touchdown, but um you know, he, he might be doing his regular getting a midfield thing.
1: If he gets a big return, you're gonna look like a prophetic genius.
0: I'm just saying I, I noticed And there's,
1: there's there's all it's all upside because if not, no one will remember it if if something does happen, people will remember you.
0: They should. They should. Well, I mean, I'm not really calling, like, something out of the dark. I mean, he's one of the best return guys in uh, probably college football at this point um, from a kickoff return standpoint. And Oregon is not quite as leaky as Utah was. Utah was really bad, uh, but Oregon's not great. Um, they, this is another thing where I'm like— This word
1: leaky, though. I don't yeah,
0: know. Uh, yeah. And there was squirting this week from Chip I Kelly. I yeah. all of that. Yeah. Um, no, but— uh, when I see bad special teams, uh especially coverage, bad return coverage and a bad defense uh from the side of the ball that uh Lanning should be the aficionado of, just makes me a little skeptical of a head coach, I'll be
1: honest. Yeah. Yeah, I get you. So, so let's talk a little bit. That was your last thing about football. My that, transition that was my last little okay. thing on football. Great transition to basketball then.
0: Is there something leaky going on?
1: Uh-huh. Excuse me, I'll be right back. No. Um, we I started to try to look at what other schools that had top 10 football and basketball at the same time in any given week in the AP and then my my head literally exploded and Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah. What are you and what are I, you speaking through right now? Yeah. No, I'm I'm functioning. I mean, my screen's kind of messy and stuff, yeah, yeah. but um Suffice it to say, in the last several years, three to four years, you say there's only a, a handful of schools that has a top 10 football and basketball program in the same week. Like Michigan did it quite often. Um, probably the second most. Who do you think?
0: After uh, Michigan,
1: a, I a, would say someone near and dear to our, near and dear to our heart.
0: Is it is it is it Oregon?
1: It would be Oregon, um, and then you got your Ohio states, uh, Alabama. Remember, they had that basketball team there. Yeah, right?
0: uh, and Florida in the odds. Florida
1: that. a couple of weeks. Yeah. Yep, uh, Wisconsin snuck in once, Auburn snuck in once. But uh, from what I could see, those were those were the teams. So pretty pretty good accomplishment there. Um, and hopefully that continues and they keep racking up weeks, UCLA, football and basketball. Um, so basketball, it's been very quiet while they've been just quietly practicing. Uh, I don't think we're blowing it here to say UCLA has its highly, highly secretive scrimmage with San Diego State on Sunday. <laughs> we're not blowing it. It's I'm out sorry. there. I didn't even know why it's secretive. I've tried to work some angles to I'm see sorry,
0: if I... am here in the NSA. Are you are you picking that up on the your N- mic?
1: <laughs> well, they're not very good at it, um, yeah. in keeping it secret. They are, though, very good at not allowing anyone in. I've tried for years, and I get just flat-out no's. No's. So, yeah. I mean, I, even if I agreed to... You know, I wrote, uh, signed an NDA, didn't write anything about it, or even talked about it. No can't see it. So yeah. Uh, But that's Sunday. Uh, We'll see. It'll be very interesting. I I have heard a lot of little things coming out of basketball practice. I've been waiting for enough so I could write a story. These are just various sources from um, people who have watched. Some people have watched practice. Um, And I've spoken to those people. Um, Overall, the feeling, probably the biggest takeaway really is how impressed they are with all the newcomers. Um, the freshmen specifically, Uh, how they just have been able to step in. It's not all too big for them is what I've heard Uh, from uh, a Dembona. You would expect that from, let's say, a Dembona and Amari Bailey, but Dylan Andrews and uh, Abramo Sanka have all stepped in. And, you know, it, it, it can't be an easy thing where you start practice, You've pract- you're practicing harder and longer than you ever have. You're being challenged mentally. You're you're learning so much, and you're probably just overwhelmed. And then you got a guy, you got Mick Cronin, who, who probably is is pretty much giving it to you at times, and not holding back because you were a former five star guy. Um, from what I've heard, they've uh, just uh, taken it like veterans. Um, Along those same lines, probably the one of the best takeaways is probably a Dem Bona. Just uh, various sources have told me they've just been knocked out by watching him in practice. Not greatly skilled. Um, probably about 6'9". nine. Uh, well built 230, let's say. Uh, yes, a freak of an athlete gets up and down and runs, blocks shots, can move his feet on defense. But it's it's like I've talked to a few people and no one can really grasp the impact of a Dembona. Just it's all of that what I just said, but it's also his energy, his motor, his attitude, his his being a a, a a teammate, being a guy who will take instruction, who can get yelled at and just smiles and just keeps going. Um, That's been the most impressive thing. There have been a lot of... I saw some preseason picks like the... I can't think. I think it was a bunch of ESPN guys that were picking freshman of the year in the Pac-12, and they all picked Amari Bailey. From what I've heard... Amari Bailey's done really well, uh, but from what I've heard, Adem Bona would be the guy. Um, uh, Amari Bailey... Has looked very good, Uh, not as great a shooter as people uh, might have thought, but very strong in the ball. Really hard to defend once he gets a step on you, and a really good facilitator, great passer. Um, So they've been impressed with him. And then Dylan Andrews has, from what I've heard, has really been. I mean, we heard Mick Cronin talk about him. but I've heard a number of other people have also raved. And it's not just his speed of bringing the ball up, but his, his toughness, uh, his skills, how advanced he is skill-wise, that he's building, he's already built um, a chemistry uh, with a Dembona. He's throwing up those alley-oops, and Dem's just throwing them down from just about any spot he catches them. Um, so that's been very impressive. And, and Zonka has you know, seamlessly made the transition to this uh, possibly a little bit better offensively, but really thin still needs to get, still needs to get thicker. Like I've heard when he tries to guard, I mean, Haquez, I mean, Hawkeyes uh, could do whatever he wanted offensively. I mean, he'd body up on people and pretty much beat them around. From what I've heard, he's now like looks more of a man now than he did even last season. And, Sanka trying to defend that. It's just not fair. And then rave reviews about uh Tiger Campbell. Uh Jalen Clark's been steady, has been improved. And then probably the biggest improvement is Ken. Oh, I gotta say Kenneth Nwuba. Uh, that he call, will call
0: him whatever you're comfortable with,
1: Tracy. He will be able, be able to, to supply it. 10 to 13, 14 minutes a game. Um that He's slimmed down physically. He's in great shape. Um, he's always been a good defender. He's gotten better there, but offensively, he might be able to bring something. the The problem when he was on the floor before, he was just not an offensive threat at all. So defenses could could kind of adapt. I'm hearing that he is now. He if he catches the ball, he is a, a little bit. He's got kind of a developed a little bit of an offensive game. So uh, people have told me he he could be the most improved player on the team. So a lot to be very, very excited about. Um, I thought they were a little overrated preseason last year when they were ranked randomly one or two. Um, And that was probably all because of Johnny Juzang. And now they're not getting, now I think they might be a little bit underrated because they feel there's no Johnny, the people who are doing the rankings, there's no Johnny Juzang. Uh, but I, I think they'll be better without you saying. It, I think they'll be a better team this year. They might start off a little slower. They got a, a lot of young guys that who have to learn the ropes. Um, but man, a, a lot of people have come away who guys who are not UCLA people who have watched practice, who are very objective, who have been impressed, very impressed. Um, one guy told me if Tiger Campbell were six one, or yeah, let's just say six one. And did everything I watched him do in the practice, he'd be one of the top point guards taken in the NBA. If he just, with just the results, and he was six one, that he was that impressive. So, yeah. yeah, excitement, exciting times.
0: That is very exciting times. What better? What, what better times? You got you got Oregon tomorrow. You got top. Uh, whatever, 10-ish UCLA going into the men's basketball season. I agree with you. I think they're probably a little underrated. Obviously, need to figure out some shooting, but um, defensively, I think they have the upside to be elite this year um, in a way that they didn't necessarily in the last couple of years, just with, um, you know, when you have Johnny Juzing out there, your your upside defensively is just going to be limited, even when he's playing really well. Um, so I think there's... Uh, real potential for them to be elite defensively
1: and, and Bona, what Bona will bring defensively
0: erasing shots, just everything
1: athlete. the energy, the the foot speed the motor, everything it's the yeah. front, I mean three different people, separate people who I've talked to just rave about it and they all said the same thing so yeah, I'm going with a Dem Bona as the Pac-12 freshman of the year look at you, yeah. look at you dude Hopefully it's detached enough away from March that no one will remember.
0: Yeah, well, or they will. unless I was right, and then they'll sing your praises. Yes, they'll you know remember what though. Me. You know what though? The psychos on our message board, and yes, I understand you're listening right now, and yes, I love you. Uh, they will remember. They remember everything.
1: They remember every. The, you know what? They remember more of what we don't that we, what we get wrong than what we're well, we right.
0: There's particular fellows who remember uh, everything in order for us to be wrong so that they can cite it at some point. But there are some people out there who I think they, they literally keep a document and they're like, I'm going to transcribe everything these two ever say.
1: And then the guys who keep, uh, and it's just not for you and me, that they keep the rest of the forum accountable. There's some post from three years ago. They call out the guy and they show a screen grab of that post. Yep. Are are, they, are you screen grabbing like... All day long, every day, and keeping it all in a nice little Google Drive These file. These people really impress the... me
0: because I've got a pretty good um, memory for uh, minutia. So and remembering
1: like, posters. Well, that's you're my point. I've got a great
0: memory for minutia, and I can remember the angles of certain posters. I can remember, okay, this guy. But like, think about it. You guys pay attention to like who you're. You know, a lot of you people have whipping boys. Like you've got that one person you follow around the message board. But we have to remember everybody um, to an extent. Because you know, there's a lot of you, um, and I've got a much better memory for it than you do. Like oh, you, I, not only you do get I not have a memory it, day, you but get I get into to it forget. with a poster sometime, and then yeah. a month later, you're like, "Wait, who's this guy again?"
1: I mean, yeah, no, no, I want to forget them. Sorry, but guys. me.
0: Yeah. I'm like, I remember this guy from 2014. He's got the same posting style as this guy. I think 2014. Yeah, I think it's the same guy coming <laughs> back again. Yeah, um, but even I'm not as good as some of these guys. Some of these guys remember like the exact wording of things people said months ago. It's crazy. We,
1: we have other things that we're supposed to be remembering about this site. So, they have a slight advantage that they remember a core group of people that really got them nuts. So, they keep files on them, I think. Yeah. It's, it's really crazy. interesting.
0: It's super crazy.
1: When it, it when someone does post like a screen grab <laughs> of a past post from like years ago or even just from a few months before, I don't know what that, if that says. Wow, that's great, great evidence or… That's wild that you did that. (laughs) (laughs) We love you, though.
0: It's so, so crazy. All right. Well, um, I got nothing else. You got anything else?
1: No. Just this is. Yeah, just one more thing. This is the way it should be.
0: Yeah, this is how it always should be. We should be sitting here talking excitedly about a top 10 UCLA football team and then getting ready for the season for another top 10 UCLA basketball team.
1: UCLA is unique. And that, and you know, when I decided to start this site, I mean, this is probably really stupid of me. I'm all, this could be a good business. How many different schools in the country could be really good at uh, like top 20 in football and top 10 traditionally, historically in basketball. I, I could have a built-in audience here. This is a really smart business decision. Yeah. <laughs> but it's true. I mean, there are what other schools? Michigan comes to mind, right? Um, you could make the case that Michigan's football is one of the, uh, what, easily top five historical programs. I think they have the most wins, don't they? Yep. Yeah. But that doesn't, and okay, that's football, but UCLA basketball kind of outweighs Michigan football. And UCLA football probably on the same level as Michigan basketball. I mean, those are probably the top two. Top two schools for football and basketball, don't you think? Yeah. Uh, it's unique you have a unique school here um so yeah but this is the way it should be absolutely so enjoy it appreciate it all right hopefully beyond and as we said beyond tomorrow
0: yes all right well enjoy the game tomorrow everybody uh for tracy pearson i'm david woods brewing report online and we will talk to you again on the uh, other side of this
1: see y'all